You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. Here's the pitch. A curveball! Time to tap the keg with Lane Grindle. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Brewers on Tap. It is episode number 151, and of course, the crew coming off just an incredible homestand. An 8-2 record over the course of this past homestand. They split with the Rockies in a four-game series, then sweeping the Mets and sweeping the Nationals. Of course, it included an 18-inning victory over the New York Mets last Saturday, and now they get set to embark on what looks like maybe the most difficult road trip of the season. This is a gauntlet the Brewers are going through right now, and they get the Cubs for three at Wrigley, then they get the Phillies for four in Philadelphia, and then three in Atlanta against the Braves. The crew currently sitting a season-high seven games above 500. The record 23-16, and and they are a half game back of Chicago right now in the NL Central, a game up on the Cardinals. So solidified right in that second place spot currently in the NL Central. Boy, this is going to be some race in this division all summer long into September. This this is a chance to be really exciting. And, and probably what teams make the best moves at the trade deadline may have a lot to do with who ends up winning this thing because they look like very even teams at least through a little over a month of the season, about a quarter of the way through the season. We're pretty much at the quarter pole right now of the 2019 season. Told you, 8-2 and two homestand, that 18-inning win. Let's take a look at who's hot. And, of course, Christian Yelich always seems to be on fire. He hit a couple of home runs on this homestand, despite not playing in over half of it. He got back into the starting lineup on Sunday against the Mets. He homered, and then he homered again Wednesday afternoon against the Nationals. Here's some other numbers when breaking down the crew and some of the guys that are really going good right now. Yelich, 6 for 16, two home runs and three RBIs since returning as a pinch hitter in that 18-inning victory over the Mets on Saturday night and then getting back into the lineup on Sunday, May the 5th. 16 home runs on May the 8th. That didn't happen for him last year. He didn't hit his 16th home run last year until August the 2nd. His walk percentage is up uh, 5.5% since last year. And there's some other numbers that we're going to dive into during Sabermetrics 101 on Christian Yelich. Ryan Braun, he's red hot right now. 339 average over his last 17 games with just 11 strikeouts. Compare that to the 182 average he had over his first 18 games this year with 18 strikeouts. He has four home runs and 10 RBIs over these past 17 games. Of course, he had the six hits against the Mets in the 18-inning victory on Saturday night. Jesus Aguilar's heating up. Eight for his last 21 with three home runs, a double, and nine RBI. Compare that to nine for 73 to start the year for Jesus with just two doubles. He was slugging 151 when he came to the ballpark on April 29th to start this homestand where the Brewers got red hot. Mike Moustakis is hot. 312 average with seven home runs and 20 RBIs 
over his last 23. Seven doubles during that stretch as well. He's hit safely in 20 of his last 23 games. He was one for 23 before he entered into this stretch and got red hot. Wow. Uh, Mike Moustakis, probably a little bit of an underappreciated star on this team right now. He has been a big part of this lineup getting done, what it's been able to get done. Okay, let's listen in to the week that was. Match deals again, a swing and a drive in the left center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here, gone for Lorenzo Cain. And just like that, we are back to even. Lorenzo's fourth of the year, and he got it all against Stephen Matz. Braun sends one in the air to right center and deep. Get up! Get out of here! It is gone for Ryan Braun! And he has put the Brewers on top with a two-run shot against Stephen Matz. That one, a fastball out over the middle. He jumped all over it and knocked it out of here. It's number seven for Braun. First pitch, Kane, chopper, right side, through a base hit. Gamble's going to be sent around third. Here comes the throw. It's not in time, and we're tied. One, two. Line drive down the right field line. That is a fair ball. It's past Conforto up against the wall. Kane is in. Thames is going to be held at third. Run scoring double. Mike Moustakis. Brewers have a 2-1 lead. 2-1 pitch. Line drive. Base hit off of Alonzo. Thames is in. Here comes Grandal. The throw noted time. Ryan Braun on his sixth hit of the night wins it for the crew in 18. You stayed for one and you got a pair of games. The longest innings wise in Miller Park history. And Ryan Braun delivered with his sixth hit of the game. Three walks. Thames, Grandal, and Shaw, and then Braun just hammered one past Pete Alonzo at first. And the Brewers come back and win it in the bottom of the 18th inning. 1-2 now. Fly ball deep right. Holy smokes. Christian Yelich, third deck. Welcome back, MVP. The stretch, here he comes again. Cano, a swing and a miss. He struck him out. Beautiful changeup again by Zach Davies. Takes care of Robinson Cano, and he has finished his job for today. Here Hey, struck him out swinging, and he strikes out the side. And the Brewers have swept the New York Mets. What a job by Hader again to get the save and finish off this game. Final Brewers three, 
Mets two. Oh, one from Jennings. Line drive, base hit right field. Gamble scores and we're tied 3-3. The pitch. Gamble sends a bullet to right. It's a base hit. Orlando Arcea is going to try to score. The throw coming on. He's in there. And the Brewers lead 5-3 now on a scorching base hit by Ben Gamble. Target up. Grandal sitting down low and away. Here it is. Struck him out swinging, and this one is over. Junior goes down and away. No, couldn't handle that one. And the Brewers take game one. Final 5-3. Here's the pitch to Kane. Line drive, base hit down the right field line. It's going to head into the corner. Aguilar's in. Shaw's in. Arcia with a late hold. He's going to run through the stop sign. He's safe at home. Kane to third. Three nothing Brewers. The one on delivery by the Nationals right-hander is whacked in the air into right center deep. Get up. Get out of here and gone for Christian Yelich. He strikes again. 16th of the year. And that looked like a hanging changeup, and he got it, and he knocked it out of here. Certainly an exciting week for the crew, and somebody that's pretty excited about the way they're playing is assistant general manager Matt Arnold. I had a chance to sit down with him before Wednesday's game, and we talked a ton about some of the prospects in the minor leagues right now and some of the other things surrounding the Brewers organization as we break it down. Let's break it down. Matt Arnold is our guest. Uh, let's let's jump first into some of the minor league stuff that's going on because uh, there's a lot to be excited about. First off, Keston Hira, uh, his first 100-plus at-bats in AAA have been about as good as you could expect. And it really looks like, too, over the last 10 games or so, the strikeout numbers are coming down. It looks like even though he's been hitting and hitting for power pretty much since day one, there is some development in there that you're seeing also. Absolutely, yeah. It's super exciting to see what Keston's doing right now. And and really on both sides of the ball. I mean, you know, we, we knew about some some stuff there, I think, in, throughout the draft that, that um, you know, had, had some questions offensively. And honestly, that's really been a, a huge positive as well. And, you know, what we're seeing out of him offensively is something we we were hopeful that, that was there and, and certainly what we saw in college. And it's certainly blossomed here. And now he continues to grow. And like you said, the strikeout rate continues to come down. The damage continues to go up. So, so far, so good from Keston. Did you see this kind of power from Keston here? I mean, I think in, in years past in AAA, we might have brushed that aside. But this is San Antonio. It's not Colorado Springs now. And he has double-digit home runs. It is certainly uh, a tougher place to hit. You're absolutely right. And, and uh, you know, our scouts did an, an outstanding job. We did see him at Irvine a lot, and, and he did show that kind of raw power. You know, not, didn't always get to it in games, but we did see it a couple times, especially to the opposite field. And so when you see that, that kind of power to the opposite field from a young kid, it says, hey, it's definitely in there, and it's just a little bit untapped, and we've been able to, to, to see the most out of him so far to this point. There is another name that I think before the season was somewhat unknown to some of some of the fans probably, unless you're really locked into the draft and, and how things shake down. And, and, and it's looking like this is one of the steals of the 2018 draft, and that's Drew Rasmussen. He was a first-round pick in 17, had his second Tommy John surgery. Really, your front office did a nice job, and, and the medical staff did a good job of, of really – getting in there and figuring out that Drew Rasmussen is ready to, to take this leap because he is 
he has turned a lot of heads in his first professional season. He's going to start for, for double-A Biloxi now. Yeah, really, really a credit goes to, to really our entire staff, I think, like you said, from the medical staff to our uh, our amateur scouts that did a tremendous job following this guy. And then our player development people have really worked well with him. And, and he had this kind of pedigree, you know, he was a former first-round pick, um, you know, and had some medical issues that we were we were aware, well aware of, and we went into the, it with the eyes wide open. But seeing him develop as a person, as a player, so far he's been nothing but uh, outstanding for us so far. So it's been great, and we're excited to see him get promoted. Big-time fastball. Uh, I was totally hitting triple digits here at Miller Park when he pitched for the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. He sits in the high 90s, the sliders in the low 90s. Uh, and I know he, is, he has come out and said he wants to develop that a little bit more. There's a changeup in there. Uh, and then he's talked about wanting to develop a fourth pitch. Uh, th th this is an exciting thing. How hard is it when somebody has the kind of stuff he has and is having the results that he's having to, at the same time, slow him down a little bit because of the fact that he is coming off the Tommy John surgery? Yeah, I, I think that's that's a great point. I mean, we're, we're certainly monitoring his innings, monitoring his workload, um, you know, making sure that he continues to develop at, 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 the, at an appropriate pace. Um, we're also going to challenge him a little bit this year. You know, he's an advanced college player and he's performing well, and so he's deserved the opportunity to, to move up in the organization. And so we're going to balance all those things, but I think right now, so far, we've seen really positive results, and so we're going to give him an opportunity responsibly, hopefully, at AA and see how he does. You guys have to be excited about what Bryce Terang has done. It's his first full professional season and he kind of showed that it factor in spring where there's this fearlessness to him and it seems like that's carried over he's in low a he's probably one of the younger guys in the midwest league and he's doing nothing but hitting yeah that, that was something that uh craig craig really mentioned during spring training him as a really positive presence when we brought him over from time to time during big league camp and that was outstanding just to see his presence in the clubhouse see him walking around the, the dugout and then what he's been able to do and, and sometimes people forget how hard it is to hit in wisconsin how cold it is early in the season especially for a young player at his age so we're very impressed with what bryce is doing so far yeah, we saw that from isan diaz a couple of years ago he got off to the really slow start and then the it warmed up, and he ended up being the organization's player of the year for that year. Uh, Terang's playing great defense, too. Shouldn't shouldn't leave that out. Uh, last check, just a couple of errors playing the shortstop position. That's not the easiest thing to do either. What is the early returns been like with San Antonio being the AAA affiliate, getting some more true numbers that you can maybe trust a little bit more than in the past? That's certainly one advantage. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, th I think early uh, early reports, it sounds like it's our, our pitching has been very good there. You know, obviously Kesson is kind of the headliner on that yeah. team, and he's he's done outstanding. We have some other guys that have performed very well. Tyler Saladino has done a nice job, and, and you know, I think the, the pitching has probably been pretty standout, and I think it's a credit to Fred Dabney and the work that he's done with our pitchers, and frankly, you've seen a lot of them here. I think the development here of, of what Taylor Williams did, for example, the other night here in the big leagues was really an outstanding job. You know, Burt Smith coming up last night and giving us some quality uh, innings here in a, in a big league game and, you know, having that those guys uh, revolving to, to some degree and, and developing at the same time while, while being productive here in the big leagues, I think that's a big credit to Fred and that group. So, so far, you know, we've seen really positive results from the from the pitching there and, and, and we know it's a, a tough place to hit, but still Keston has been a, certainly a headliner there as well. There's no doubt that if you rewind the tape back about two weeks, you were hoping for some more production on the mound out of your, your starting pitching and, and your relief pitching. And if you would have said, okay, there's going to be an 18-inning game, Chase is going to go on the injured list about five minutes before his start on Thursday, you're going to have to cover that with a bullpen day, and there's no off days in there, you would have said, oh, man, how are we going to get this thing figured out? And yet everybody stepped up, and, and it's really been almost inspiring how these guys have handled this and pitched some of the best baseball of the year 
from this staff. That, that has to be really encouraging for you guys. Yeah, I mean, to, to be able to handle all of those things that are happening in the big leagues and then also handle the 18-inning game that we had the other night, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a big credit to Craig and, and uh, Chris Hook and, and Steve Carsey for how they've been able to manage our pitching. They've done an unbelievable job with that. Um, you know, so, so th- our guys are continuing to work through things. I think the addition of somebody like Gio Gonzalez has, has really solidified our staff as well. And, you know, getting guys back here soon, you know, Chase Anderson um, hopefully soon, and, and even somebody like Jimmy Nelson on the horizon is really exciting. And so it's great to see these guys coming together and, and producing really well. And you've got a good bounce back here from Matt Albers going right now as well, which is good. Mike Moustakis has looked really good at second, specifically over the last couple of weeks. It seems like he's getting more and more comfortable. Now he looks almost natural over there. Yeah, he's, he's really worked hard at it, and it's a big credit to Mike. I mean, he's such a hard worker and such a great guy here around our team. And, um, you know, just that veteran presence, and, and he's really gravitated to that second base role and really embraced it and done a tremendous job out there. I, I, I completely agree. Matt Arnold is our guest. I want to talk to you quickly about the draft before we let you go. When you're picking towards the back of the draft, it's a little different dynamic than when you have a, a top 10 pick. And I know you and David like to get out. You like to get your eyeballs on these guys as much as possible. How much more challenging is that when you have a larger net, so to speak, of who might be available to you late in the first round versus early in the first round? Yeah, it's definitely a wider net, I think, that we have to cast, and that means we have to be prepared for a wider pool of players and and make sure that we're on top of those guys, and I think Todd Johnson does a great job managing our scouts and making sure they're in the right spots, and, and, you know, Dave and I are going to certainly try to get out and see some guys. We won't be able to see everybody, but we're going to certainly do our best to do that, and and obviously let our you know our scouts do a, a tremendous job kind of making sure that we're in the right spot to make the right right picks and and um, you know hopefully they're uh, they're they're working hard even today and and we'll uh, we'll be ready to go I think on on draft day there has been a an added increase if you will in resources and everything that you guys are doing internationally specifically in the Dominican and I, I think we're starting to get to the point where we're going to start seeing some of that really pay off uh, not that it hasn't already but I think you're going to start seeing some guys really move up through the through the affiliates that have been in the DSL the last couple of years who are some names that you're keeping an eye on that are that are starting to hit you know low A and, and high A and even double A right now yeah I, th- I think a guy that really stands out we've been getting some really good reports on a, a young kid that we signed last year named Eduardo Garcia and he's a, a really premium shortstop defender and he's continued to grow physically and now he's hitting ball further and further it seems like every time we get a report back and so he's been incredibly exciting um, I would say uh, Carlos Rodriguez is another young outfielder that you guys probably have heard about that um, you know really good contact hitter plus runner really good defender and center fielder I would say those would be a, a, a couple guys I think um, you know a guy named Abner Uribe is a guy that we're really excited about he's on the DL presently uh, but somebody we're very excited about with high octane stuff, um, you know, from the pitching side. So I'd, I'd say, as a guy to keep an eye on, I would say he would be one in the future for sure. So that program's going really well and, and off the ground. And July second's right around the corner, so we got another group of guys, hopefully, right on the right on the horizon. So it's certainly exciting. I think Mike Grootman's doing a tremendous job in that space. Matt, we appreciate it as always. Thanks so much. You got it. Thank you, Lane. Let's crunch the numbers in Sabermetrics 101. Sabermetrics 101 could always be about Christian Yelich. Last year, over the course of the last month and a half or so, as Yelich was making his case for MVP, we pretty much did a Sabermetrics 101 on him every week. We dove into the numbers and told you why he was having the best season in the National League. Well, we're going to dive into some of his numbers again today. And and here's the reason why. As I started looking at Christian Yelich's numbers 
And and granted, now I am not a front office executive. When it comes to sabermetrics, I know enough to be dangerous, but I'm not a professor, so to speak, of sabermetrics. But when I started looking at the numbers, I started noticing some things that give you some optimism, which seems like a weird word with Christian Yelich because everybody should be optimistic about Christian Yelich, but optimism that he might have more in him before this year's all said and done. It seems impossible to ask for more from Christian Yelich, and nobody expects or demands more from Christian Yelich because he's having a historical season. But when you start looking at some of the numbers, there's reason to believe there are things in his game that are going to get better this year. It's 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 mind-boggling, really. And here's what I'm talking about. We told you, since he's come back from the injury to the back, he never went on the injured list, but he sat out about five days. He's 6-for-16, six two home runs and three RBIs since coming back. He has those 16 home runs. We know that's a historic pace for Christian Yelich right now. I told you his walk percentage is up. It's up 5.5% from last year, and I think that's natural. We would have expected that. People are pitching around Christian Yelich, especially when first base is open and somebody's at second and there's two outs. I mean, a lot of those situations, people are saying, well, we don't want to take our chances with him. We're going to face the next guy. And the good news is he's had guys stepping up and picking him up in those cases, whether it's Mike Moustakis or Ryan Braun or lately even Jesus Aguilar. The Brewers have some protection for Christian Yelich. But here's here, here's a couple of other numbers to, to keep an eye on. Um, and this isn't so much the optimism for even a higher ceiling, but he's also an underappreciated base runner. Christian Yelich is the fifth-ranked base runner in the MLB, according to fan graphs and their BSR uh, rankings. He's fifth, and that takes into account stolen bases, taking the extra base, uh, going first to third, all those types of things. Yelich is one of the best base runners in baseball. But here's the reason why I keep talking about optimism, that there might be more more in Yelich's game than even we've seen so far to start the year. His batting average on balls in play, which is essentially you take the home runs out of it, um, and we know those are 16 events right there. So you take the home runs out of it, you take the strikeouts out of it, you take the obviously the walks out of it. His batting average on balls in play is 320. Doesn't sound bad. Uh, that's pretty good. But that is the lowest it's ever been in his major league career. Last year, his batting average on balls in play was 374. So what I'm trying to tell you is that should probably normalize at some point this year to where his career average has been on balls in play. That should go up which means his batting average could potentially go up from the 356 that it currently sits at. Uh, he's getting a lot he's hitting a lot of home runs. Um, I think there's a lot of doubles in his future too. I think there's a lot of balls that are going to start finding gaps and finding green grass and finding holes in the defense that haven't necessarily found those holes yet. He's been robbed of some hits if you believe these numbers. It's really impressive. 320 batting average on balls in play. Again, that's not bad at all, but it's not very close to what his career norm has been in that department. And again, you can't say, well, the home run, no, the home runs aren't a part of the equation at all. So that is something to keep an eye on. Now, the other guy in the National League that is getting a ton of attention is Cody Bellinger. Bellinger's off to a historic start himself. It's really 
Bellinger and Yelich and everybody else right now. Hey, look, it's May. We're not going to get too crazy about talking about MVPs yet. You don't win an MVP in April and May. But these two guys have separated themselves where if you were going to vote on that today, there'd be nobody else in the conversation between these two guys. Let's put into perspective Cody Bellinger's batting average on balls in play. It's 400. His overall average is 403 because he's hit a bunch of home runs too. But his batting average on balls in play is 400. Yelich's is 320. Those two things are going to normalize and come back to a more even place most likely. Most likely. It doesn't have to be but most likely over the course of a 162-game season. We talked about batting average on balls in play a lot last year with Ryan Braun because he had an extremely low batting average on balls in play despite the fact that he was hitting a ton of line drives. And we said, look, that's going to turn at some point, and it did in September. And he ended up really being a key piece to the Brewers' lineup in September and in October. And eventually it did turn. This could turn a little bit for Christian Yelich. Again, not that it's bad. It's, it's still very good, but his career norms are higher than this. So he should have some good luck coming his way at some point this season, as if he needs it. He might be a guy that doesn't need good luck. I think we all know that. Pretty interesting stuff in Sabermetrics 101. Checking in on the farm. Okay, as we check in on the farm, we begin in Class A, Wisconsin. They are 13-17. and 17. That is the only team of the Brewers' four affiliates currently that is below 500. The Timber Rattlers, 13-17 and 17 in the Midwest League. In High A, the Carolina Mudcats have been playing great baseball for a good stretch now. They're 19-13 and 13 overall and uh, playing some good ball. Biloxi, the Shuckers, are 17-16. and 16. They got a win on Wednesday, 4-2 to two at home over Montgomery. Devin Williams got the win. He's now 5-1 and one with a 3-4-7 ERA. And the big news in Biloxi is the arrival of Drew Rasmussen, the right-hander from Oregon State. He threw two innings, three hits, and one run in a shortened start for the Shuckers on Wednesday. That was his first start at the AA level. He began the year in A with the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers. He pitched at Miller Park and dominated and was in the upper 90s over the course of that start. Quickly moved up to high A, and he performed very well for the Carolina Mudcats, and now he's already in double A. We've told you multiple times, Drew Rasmussen, a couple of Tommy John surgeries, seems to have bounced back from them, throwing hard, slider in the low 90s, change up in the low 90s. This is a name that you're going to want to keep an eye on. He's a fast riser. It's not crazy to think he could be in triple A before this season's all said and done. That's amazing. It really is incredible. And, of course, in AAA, the San Antonio Missions, also above 500. they're 18-15. and 15. They lost on Wednesday uh, at home to New Orleans. And, of course, the Missions have been dealing with a lot of ups and downs, specifically on the pitching side uh, with the Brewers. But Corey Ray is back. He's in the lineup again, so he's hoping he can get himself hot. Keston Hura went hitless on Wednesday. He went 0-4, for 4, and that is breaking news because Keston Hira has been red hot. That broke up a hitting streak of seven games for Keston Hira. Hira has four home runs in his last 10. His batting average currently sitting at 336, and um, Hira has 11 home runs in the year, 25 driven, and he has 12 doubles 
as well. His slugging percentage sitting at 741. Keston Hira not just showing that he's the best prospect in the Brewers system, but perhaps he's a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. I think that conversation is going to be start going to start heating up a little bit. The Keston Hira even underranked on the national list, even though he's a consensus top 100 guy, top 50 guy really, consensus across all of the different um, ranking services. So uh, exciting stuff right now for the Brewers on the minor league side. Here's what's on tap. Well, after a 12-day road trip, the crew coming home for an exciting five-game homestand at Miller Park starting Tuesday, May 21st. That's a 6.40 start against the Reds. And then come back on Wednesday afternoon, 12-10 start against Cincinnati. Phillies coming to town for a can't-miss weekend series at the ballpark on Friday the 24th. That's a 7-10 start. That's also a five-county Friday. All residents of Milwaukee, Ozaki, Racine, Washington, and Waukesha counties will save 50% on tickets. Saturday the 25th, that's a 6-10 start. Kickoff to summer post-game concert. It's Flo Rida. He's going to be in the house. Brewer sunglasses with the purchase of a special ticket package. Sunday the 26th, that's a 1-10 start. Dollar Dog Day as well. Dollar Hot Dogs available throughout the game. So to book your tickets to any of those exciting games, visit Brewers.com slash tickets. That is going to do it for us and this week's edition of Brewers on Tap. Thank you for listening. We will be back with you next week from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia. On the playground is where, no, we're not going to sing the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, but we will be from Philadelphia, and we hope you'll join us then for episode 152 of Brewers on Tap. I'm Lane Quindle. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team.